Hey everyone, before we open today's file, please make sure to follow us on Instagram at d.s.radio where you can find all the images that go along with today's case. You can drop us an email at contact.dsradio at gmail.com. You can find all of our socials in the Linktree bio on our Instagram profile, including links to merch. If you're feeling especially generous, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash dystopian simulation radio, where you can get access to our exclusive Instagram page and make suggestions for upcoming episode topics that you would like us to cover. Speaking of Patreon, thanks to our Patreons, Riff Cult, Cropley Crab, Cash Broadus, Raspberry Jr., Jason R. Nelson, Creepy Paper, Jamie Suit, Michael Laughlin, Lindsay Keller, Mike Wright, Gria Weaver, Kelsey Carithers, Linz Gibbon, Drake Holvig, Only Child, Michael M, Wesley Akers, Riaz K, Emily Medeiros, Pip, Heather Wynn, Graves, Devin Sweatshirt, The Ordained Sinister Minister, and Philip Hoffman. And welcome to Dystopian Simulation Radio. I'm your host, Linz. And I'm your other host, Chris. We're actually in the same room. We are. A different room than usual. Yeah. It's a new room. We have an actual table, but we're together. We are. We're not online. Woo! Woo! How have you been, Chris? Yeah, pretty good. Um, just been uh, researching lots and lots and lots of weird shit coming your way soon. Yeah. Um, same. In the field as well. Um, we'll get to that later, but yeah. Before we uh, go any further, mm-hmm. I have a small gift for you. Oh. It only came in this colour. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's find out what this is. <laughs> for <fuck's sake. laughs> um, So, for anybody who is not currently in the room, um, which is none of you, I have got a uh, small yellow... Dolphin, uh, made in China, plastic with a uh, floppy tail. Yeah, which is is going to now sit uh, atop my laptop. Yep, that's just something to. Maybe you can put it on your office at work and think about me. I don't know where you want to put it, but um. Um, I mean, to be honest, when I see that after the stories that we've been to- telling about dolphins, I probably won't be thinking about you, Linz. There's other things. That Anna Kornikova. Yeah, Anna Kornikova. <laughs> If um, you don't get these references, listen to our LSD and Love Dolphins episode. And then followed up with our summer Q&A episode where Anna Kornikova comes into things. Yeah, Chris reads some dolphin erotica. And yes, that is a real thing. And it's definitely out there. Mm. Well, thank you very much for my uh, my present. I also have a present for you. Uh, medium-sized. So uh, close your eyes. Okay. I'm scared. Can I open? There you go. 
Oh my god! Is it from the Pokemon Center? All the way from Pokemon Center in Japan. ASMR. Oh my gosh, it's so cute! He's running! <laughs> That's the cutest Eevee I've ever seen. That is so cute, thank you. You're very welcome. Mm. It was insanely busy because it was the first day of the summer holidays when I went there. And I had to queue for about 30 something minutes to oh buy. Oh my god, the... thank you so much. Did you like raid the store? Did you buy anything? Uh, I did. I bought uh, my son. I decided he needed to start a Pokemon. So I got him a Squirtle. Oh, I saw that on your stories. And I was going to say, nice starter Pokemon. That's always my starter Pokemon. I don't mean to be like a Poke-Nazi, but like if you you didn't fucking choose Squirtle, get the fuck out. (laughs) Oh my God, this is the cutest Eevee ever. You're very welcome. Can sit next to you while you you tell me this tale today. Okay. Um. If you want to follow along with any visuals, you can do so at at d radio on Instagram. And if you want to become a member of our Patreon and give us a little bit of support, you can find us over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash dystopian simulation radio. So, Chris, I'm just going to get right into it. Okay. Going to start off with a bit of history. Okay. I like history. Going to go into something a little bit different, let's say. Emanuel Swedenborg was a Swedish 16th century scientist, philosopher, and mystic. And in 1758, Swedenborg wrote a book titled Heaven and Its Wonders and Hell from Things Heard and Seen. Hold on, go back to his description for a second. He was a he was a philosopher, a scientist, a scientist, and, and a mystic. mystic. That sounds like the thing that he moonlighted on the side. He's yeah. like, like, I mean, really, I'm a, I'm a mystic, but my day job is philosopher. Yeah. Well, you, you might not be too far off there, Chris. So heaven and hell, as it was known in the English language, described what Swedenborg believed to be the afterlife in great detail. Swedenborg believed that there was only one supreme being or God, so he had a monotheistic view of the afterlife. He was a pluralistic Christian theologian, Pluralistic as in he believed in different religious belief systems and that they should coexist in society. And theologian as in he studied both the nature of the divine as well as religious texts and teachings. How he came to these beliefs is something we're going to explore today in today's episode of Dystopian Civilization Radio. Now, I could go on for the whole episode about the interesting life of Emanuel Swedenborg and the prominent philosophers, poets and writers that he both inspired and impressed along the way. But as this is a brief history of spiritualism, I'm going to try my very best to keep it as short and to the point as I possibly can, Chris. Good, because that was way too many concepts for this time on a Saturday afternoon. Now that that's out of the way, we can get on to the interesting part. I'm glad there's no quiz. The (laughs) The part that only we would care about. Okay. The mystic part. Yes. So Swedenborg made early scientific discoveries way ahead of his time. He was an inventor, he was an impressive man, and he was well-liked by those who met him, who often described him as friendly, polite, and humble. But his interest took a shift in the Easter of 1744, when he was in his early 50s, and he started having religiously-themed visions, dreams, and revelations. Ooh, so, like, seeing, like, demons and angels and... Speaking to God? Yeah, pretty much nail on the head. So while Swedenborg was in London in 1745, eating at a private tavern, 
he began having strange visions of snakes and frogs occupying the space. Suddenly, darkness fell over his eyes, and the vision of a man manifested before him and said, Don't eat too much. I really wish somebody would manifest in front of me and say that <laughs> I am munching my way for these fucking biscuits. Slaps the biscuit out of your hand. Swedenborg was jarred by this experience, even more so when the same man appeared to him again later that night at his home in Salisbury Court while he dreamed. Here, the man introduced himself as, any guesses, Chris? David Lynch. Jesus Christ himself. Of course he did. Why Jesus Christ himself manifested in a London pub to scold a tubby Swedish man remains a mystery. That sounds like a, that sounds like a Jesus move, though. Uh, I'm not going to lie. So Jesus told Swedenborg that he had been chosen to bring the true meaning of the scriptures to the world and that to aid him in his mission, he would be given, Chris? A small book of the flora and fauna of the United Kingdom. Unrestricted all hours access to the afterlife, baby. What's an afterlife, baby? The afterlife. Oh, no. Oh, right. Sorry. Comma, baby. <laughs> oh, it's like the afterlife, baby? What is You that? don't know the, the afterlife, baby. <laughs> From this point onwards, Swedenborg became something of a mystic, claiming he was able to travel to both heaven and hell to converse with spirits and angels and demons that would aid him in writing Heaven and Hell, his book on the afterlife as well as other books, journals, and letters on the subject, and he wrote a lot. He said that there wasn't just one heaven or one hell, but several, and that all angels were once earth-dwelling people who lived much like those on earth, but in their own realm. They live in houses, they go about their daily life, but they're angels. That's, right. that's the afterlife. So we could die and then we'd be angels, or depending on how we acted in life. But Right, so it would basically be like exactly the situation now, but... There'd be no buses because we could fly everywhere. He seemed to say that it, it was like a reflection of Earth, but angels have missions to help people. Okay. So yeah. it's like a mirror. Kind of, yeah. So it's not like hellfire or clouds. There's different layers of it, you know. So Swedenborg believed that spirits were messengers going back and forth between God or the afterlife and humans. Swedenborg didn't encourage people to try to communicate with the dead or to try and reach out to them. But inadvertently, this is exactly what he inspired people in the future to do. Because of Swedenborg's claimed ability to talk to spirits and connect with the afterlife, he is considered one of the first figures of spiritualism, which is what today's episode will be focusing on, Chris. So spiritualism, is spiritualism a way of life or is it when you have an ability to... It's a religion. Right. A modern religion where people believe that those who die still with us and that you can communicate with them but we'll get more into that later okay that's uh, that's interesting i mean i know certain religions and i know shinto for example considers everything is imbued with spirits mm. so you don't know whose spirits are in what so you should take care of everything around you but it doesn't necessarily say that you are going to be communicating directly with them mm -hmm. um so i'm interested to find out the differences when it comes to spiritualism well in spiritualism, you can communicate directly with spirits. That's handy. Yeah. Now, Emmanuel Swedenborg did make some interesting predictions in his life. As a quick example, he predicted the exact date of his own death. 29th of March, 1772 in London, England. Oh. 
Oh, interesting. Um, you wouldn't, I mean, if it was me, if I predicted that and the place, I'd try and not be in that place on that day. No, we just knew that he'd die on that day, no matter where he was. I mean, I suppose, I suppose if he's so confident that he'll be going to heaven or still be here in the spiritualist sense, I suppose it's not really, it's just the passing of a corporeal body. It's not your death, yeah. so to speak. But he did die on the day that he said he would, which makes people think, ooh, he was in the know. So subscribers of spiritualism believe that when one dies, their soul or consciousness continues. They also believe generally that it's possible for the living to communicate with the dead. And how do, how do the living do this? So spiritualism was at its biggest between the mid-1800s to the early 1920s. In 1897, it had approximately 8 million followers wow. spread out across America and Europe. It grew in popularity in a less conventional way than other religions do. So instead of being spread by the way of a holy book or camps or people knocking on your door or <clears throat> indoctrination, it became popular through traveling mediums doing tours to show their skills of communicating with the dead through various methods like seances, table wrapping and the like. Okay, right. So I've, I've got an image now. So this was a religion that was largely spread through... The carnival circuit. So is that... No, not the carnival circuit. Um, the followers of spiritualism were mostly like middle class or upper class people. Many okay. of them were women. And they actually pushed for women's rights to vote and the abolition of slavery. And in a few cases, vegetarianism. And this was just people who got word of traveling mediums. Okay, so... And would show up and, and want to see these skills. Right, so they were traveling by themselves, not as a a part of another traveling attraction. No, no, they were just on tour. Like people would hear of this and then they'd do a show here and a show there and soon right. everybody wanted to see it. So they ended up touring. With so it, it's their less abilities. of like somebody wearing a sparkly turban and sitting outside a fun fair and more Derek Akora doing a show. Yeah, but people were a lot more convinced. Like Derek Akora, you can laugh at it. But back then people were seeing, you know, spirit wrappings and these seances and they were actually part of it they really believed to a point where it actually became detrimental <laughs> so chris off the dome can you think of any famous spiritualists or mediums of the 1800s oh of the 1800s <laughs> I'm just gonna go yeah Derek akora um <clears throat> i'm assuming that she's been around for this that long so mystic meg no no what happened to mystic meg doesn't doesn't she like still write like an article? Oh yeah, she's in the in, newspaper in somewhere. One, in an, I mean, I haven't read a newspaper. Me too, since, but like, that's 1993. The, but yeah, that's the last yeah. um, place I remember being. She used to do the. Uh, for anybody who's not in the UK, um, the <laughs> Mystic Meg was a a pseudo psychic who would appear on the national lottery and without fail every week would not give you the answer to which. Um, balls were going to be drawn out of the lottery that is so weird thinking about it like yeah. that there was a psychic before the lottery and yeah. it wasn't even that long ago no and it, it was basically like you know like a, like a horoscope she was just sitting there saying you know uh saturn will plunge into uranus so lube up <laughs> but chris yes have you heard of the fox sisters uh, no i haven't i thought you said something else there and i was like well yes but no. What did you think I said? Nothing. Well, although there was already players like Swedenborg in the game, the Fox sisters, specifically Kate and Margaret Fox, were said to be the gals who started it all on March 31st, 1848. And where were they from? They were from New York. 
Okay. So Leah, who was the oldest of the sisters, was born in late 1813. Margareta, or Margaret, slash Maggie, was born in the fall of 1833, and Catherine, or Kate, was born in the spring of 1837. So Leah was the oldest by, like, two decades. While Maggie and Kate were closer in age, with only a few years between them. So in 1848, when Kate was just 11 years old, and Maggie 14, strange noises, tapping and scraping, started happening in their Hydesville, New York family home. The house had always had a spooky vibe and was purported to be haunted, but it was only in March of 1848 that it seemed to come alive. 11-year-old Kate called out into the home, asking for whatever spirit that was making the noise to mimic her. She clicked her fingers several times, and the same sequence of clicks came back to her. They began communicating with the alleged spirit in this way, asking it various questions that it could answer in numbers, for example. It could correctly tap out the age of each of the girls, and when asked a question, it could communicate back by using once for yes, twice for no, and eventually it could tap out words by spelling letters of the alphabet. Word got around the local area, and soon enough people were coming over to the house to see their spirit communication with their own eyes. Are you about to tell me that it was just a mongoose that was in the walls doing all of this? Try to explain mm. Jeff the mongoose in like two sentences. So Jeff the Mongoose was supposedly a anthropomorphic personification of a demon ghost that befriended a girl who was living in a remote Scottish island, and she communicated with it, and then took the story nationwide. And there's a lot of debate on if um, he actually existed or not, but I'll leave that for the episode. That might have been three sentences. He's in the walls, Chris. So naturally the family became curious about the ghost or spirit and started to ask it questions. They discovered that the ghost was that of a murdered man named Charles B. Rosner, who had been buried in the basement of the home half a decade earlier. Kate and Maggie were sent away from the home. Kate went to her sister and Maggie went to their brother. But it would seem the spooky happenings were not isolated to the Fox family home. Because where the girls went, the scratching, scraping, and knocking continued. The Fox family were Methodist, however, they had two close family friends who were Quakers, and the girls were sent off to stay with them. Word of their supposed abilities to communicate with the dead spread within the Quaker community, and this is where the early link between spiritualism and radical political issues is thought to have been born. By late 1849, Kate and Maggie were demonstrating their abilities and were at the centre of paid public seances. They basically became celebrities. But the pressure of their sudden rise to fame at such a young age, coupled with having to perform in front of audiences, came with a lot of anxiety and the sisters leaned on alcohol to get them through it. So at first, the questions asked by the audience members at seances were generally related to love and money. But after a while, the nature of the seances became more religious or spiritual. In 1851, there were various investigations into the Fox sisters' mediumship abilities that determined the rapping noises were produced by... Any guesses, Chris? Um, I'm going to guess, was there like a small device under the table? Like something that was a bit like connected to the feet? Well, this was one of the guesses at the time. But it turned out these noises were made by 
the cracking of their toe joints against hardwood floors. Several investigators from the University of Buffalo did a controlled experiment wherein the rapping noises could not be produced when the sister sat with pillows under their feet. Ah. Multiple investigators came to the same conclusion over the years that the knocking came from the cracking of joints. Which, can I say, how loudly can you crack your joints for it to be heard in a really big hall at a well-attended seance? And it, ah, no. Yes, I had mm. one in me. <laughs> Fucking shit. It must have been really freaking loud. I mean, it's when you crack your knuckles or your toe knuckles, like, it's it's air popping, isn't it? That's what it is. I it's think put, so. It's displacing air and it's popping out, I believe. So, I, I mean, there's those, um, what are they called? Those shrimp? Mantis shrimp. I'm no? not sure. No, no, no. The shrimp that live, like, in the ocean. Like, quite far down. <laughs> as a, oh, those yeah, shrimp! As opposed to the ones that live, like, you the know, on land. Shrimps. Ocean land. Why didn't you say? Yeah. Well, you know, land shrimp are... Um, <laughs> Right, it pops a little air bubble, right? And it creates a sound and a velocity that is the equivalent of a bullet firing. And that's how it kills its prey. The Fox sisters applied to take part in an event set up by the Boston Globe in 1987. The event would award a whole $500 to any person who could convincingly, without a doubt, show their paranormal powers. The judges of this event were Harvard professors who, again came to the conclusion that the sisters produced the rapping sounds by clicking their joints and bones. There is so much more to the Fox sisters story that it could be an episode in itself, like their personal life, honestly. And we probably will cover it in more detail in the future. But on October 21st, 1888, Margaret publicly admitted to a crowd of 2,000 people at the New York Academy of Music that she and her sister Kate, who was with her at the time, had faked their mediumship abilities. <gasps> I don't believe it. <laughs> they demonstrated their freaky toe-clicking abilities, which were verified to be the source of the wrappings by doctors who confirmed it to be the case. Apparently, this toe-cracking is something that has to be practiced rigorously through childhood into adulthood, and it's something most of us can't naturally do. I better stop a boy now. <laughs> Margaret also added that it was the audience who helped the whole spectacle along by essentially, in their excitement, being wrapped up in the idea that spirits were present. They would begin to feel the sensation of ghostly hands squeezing their shoulders or touching their arm, for example. So people were so hyped, they just helped it along. Creating a sort of mass hysteria in the room. like Yeah, they wanted to believe, Chris. Yeah, when people go somewhere for a reason, they're far more likely to experience that thing. I... If you go somewhere with the express intention of hunting ghosts, mm. you're more likely to see a ghost. Now, I have friends who are ghost hunters, so that's no slight Excuse me? on them. But um, it's something psychological. You know, if you if you go fishing and you've heard tale that there's a there's a great big fish out there, every fish that you pull out, you're going to think maybe it's it's old Betty. Maybe this is the golden magic carp. Exactly. <laughs> So Margaret also admitted that when she and Kate were kids at the very beginning of their mediumship career, that they had essentially just tried to creep out their mother by tying apples to string, pulling them back and letting go 
so the apple would thump into the wall across the room. So this only ever happened when at least one of the children were out of the room. No, it happened wherever they went. They, you mean to their mother? Yeah, well, they they just messed with their mother. Like for example, you know, I don't know how their living arrangements were, but they would tie an apple to a string, and in the darkness, swing it back and let go. So. Their voices were coming from one side of the room, but there was a bang across the other side of the room. So they're just freaking out their poor mother in their gotcha. haunted house. <laughs> and when she switched the lights on and there was like broken apples everywhere, she didn't ask any questions. Well, I guess they just retrieved it, you know, before she, maybe they were in bed and she's like going, oh, I'm so scared. And you know, when you're scared, you might, I mean, the first thing you want to do is turn a light on, but it's the 1800s. So I guess you'd have to light a candle. Yeah. <laughs> So it's a bigger... It was easier to to do the old switcheroo back then, I Mm. guess. They would also produce these rapping noises and call out in the darkness to Mr. Splitfoot, as they called him. Isn't that a really scary fucking name? That is. Apparently it's old slang for the devil. You know, like goat with split hooves. Oh. Mr. Splitfoot. Oh, I don't even like saying it out loud. It's so creepy. I think if you say it one more time, they'll appear behind you. Soon the adults around them were so convinced of the paranormal presence and the ability of the girls that their older sister, Leah, decided she would capitalise off of it. Mm. A year after they admitted it was all a hoax, Margaret attempted to return to mediumship and took back her statement that the sisters' abilities were nothing more than a ruse but she was rejected by the spiritualist movement who had lost faith and their interest in the Fox sisters in general. It's unclear why Margaret wanted to recant her confession, but it's speculated it was due to poverty or the pressure of her previous marriage to a Catholic husband who shunned spiritualism. Four years before her death, Kate told the newspaper, I regard spiritualism as one of the greatest curses that the world has ever known. So these girls inadvertently started a movement but they weren't involved in the actual creation of it with the people that their followers who created the movement there was always people who thought they could do this but they were the ones that kind of yeah, went on tour with it but what i mean is they're just they're just going on tour they're taking this show on the road to try mm-hmm. and make a quick buck their their goal isn't to, to make a religion no they probably just you know the cash was probably good Although it was really stressful for them because mm. they had to drink. I think their sister kind of said, come on, let's make some money from this ability. Because I don't think she believed in it at the start, but she kept pushing it because she knew that it would get attention, make money. And then they get passed along to the Quakers who start going, ooh, <laughs> this is fun. And then they're suddenly on tour with it. So, And they were very young. Mm. 11 and 14 when they started doing it you know just pranking their mum and then it grows into this yeah and their sister's quite a few years older than probably quite easy to manipulate exactly she was a lot older so both Margaret and Kate died penniless now there were hundreds of self-proclaimed mediums many who claimed to be legitimate like Emma Hardrin's Britain, who seemed to be the icon of modern spiritualism William Staden Moses who communicated with the dead through automatic writing the Bangs sisters, who painted portraits of the dead. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mina Crandon, who produced ectoplasm, which turned out to be animal guts when examined. And the list goes on and on and on. There was all types of people claiming they could communicate with the dead. Do you know that those people who produced ectoplasm, some of them were hiding it in their, like, cavities. Well, I mean... <laughs> I mean, sometimes... You hide uh, Sometimes you have to hide things in your prison wallet. <laughs> Sometimes there's no other option. Now, can I, can I, can I just say, 
Have you have you heard the um, the story? This is a slight um, a, a, com- a complete deviation. Deviation, a fatal deviation. Have you heard the story of a, a chess grandmaster was beaten by a, a by a very low seed recently, which is very unusual. And mm-hmm. there's the idea that um, that person may have beaten this grandmaster through using vibrating anal beads. What? Vibrating anal. How how does that help you win? Uh, essentially, uh, there'd be inside these anal beads. There would be a sort of Raspberry Pi computer mm-hmm. with like all of the chess moves inside, and through your clenches, you'd be able to uh, tell <laughs> skip like left and right. Like yeah 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 skip and left and right. Like be able to tell which um, which movements be made, and the, the the bead would vibrate back a certain code that would tell you what moves to make. That's almost modern day mediumship. <laughs> so that, well, that's what I mean, though. Ah. You got to use your prison wallet. It's more useful than we think. Exactly. <laughs> okay. How do you use yours? Answers on a postcard. So, Chris, they were also those who could produce mediumship abilities but never claimed to be mediums, such as, kind of, the Davenport brothers, who were basically 19th century magicians who created illusions that the audience perceived to be supernatural. Now, they did play on this, Mm. but they were basically magicians. Houdini would go on to show how these mediumship tricks were performed to expose the mediums of the time. But again, that's another story for another episode, and people just didn't want to know. A lot of them just thought that he was a medium. <laughs> I mean, when it boils down to it, you know, the uh, presuming that both are illusions for a moment, the only difference between a spiritualist performer and a magician is one is claiming that it is spiritual, and the other is just claiming that it is magic. Yes. Now, what's the difference between those? I don't know. I just work here. <laughs> and it's kind of like what Darren Brown does today. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I mean, the the skill in, in anything is trying to get somebody to believe in what you're saying, whether that's yeah. magic, whether that's religion. You've got to get someone to believe in what you're doing, and that's through a variety of different methods. And, I mean, Darren Brown's done some really insane things like where he's convinced people there's been a zombie apocalypse and the, yeah. the whole world has gone and, and they're really interesting sort of psychological studies to look at um but at no point has he ever claimed to be spiritualist yeah the the opposite actually he tells everyone that it's all bullshit and he can show you how it's done yeah and he does yeah he's more of a um a mind bender uh, chris angel mind freak <laughs> <laughs> I haven't thought about Chris Angel for... He's in Vegas now doing shows. Of course he is. So, Chris, what does spiritualism look like today? According to the BBC, Spiritualist National Union, the first united organisation of spiritualist churches in the UK, was the Spiritualist National Federation, founded in 1890. The organisation was succeeded in 1902 by the Spiritualist National Union, incorporated in 1901. The Spiritualist National Union now has 350 affiliated spiritualist churches or centres of almost 16,000 full members and over 2,000 associate members. Local churches, which are run by elected committees, have considerable freedom to arrange their own activities as long as they remain within the organisation's rules and accept the seven principles. 
The Spiritualist National Union website is a hub for all things spiritualist, including access to online courses as well as residential courses at the Arthur Findlay College, the world's foremost college for the advancement of spiritualism and psychic sciences. That's right. You can go to an actual spiritualism college with an actual building. Do you want to see, Chris? Sure. Let's, let's take a look. So, Chris, this is the website, and if you could just have a scroll around, maybe look at the courses, compare the fees for online and in residence, and give the listeners an idea of what it's about. Okay, sure. So, I'm on courses here, and um, so the residential ones, you can do things like the language of spirit, psychic explanation, stuff on shamanism, mediumship, uh, soul food, um, French. Um, uh, yeah, they also seem to do a lot of um, languages as well. Finnish, Italian. Uh, we've got the way of the medium, the power and presence of entrancement, demonstrating and presentation. Uh, the swinging 60s inspired Christmas. So there seems to be quite a variety <laughs> of, uh, of things that they do offer in person. Let's take a look at the online ones. The soul of the rainbow. Let's have a look at this. The cost of online is £66. Person. Too bad. Um, and it is a th- four-hour course. Um, yeah, maybe some like uh, residential courses on like mediumship and stuff like that. Yeah, mediumship course um, on in person, slightly more than sixty-six pounds. Uh, it is uh, six hundred and seventy-nine pounds, which I'm just going to ballpark is about eight hundred dollars. Crazy. Woo. Um, I mean, you must really want to be a uh, a medium. Well, you? modern spiritualists believe that everybody can be a medium. You just got to tap in and develop those skills. So you right. could take this course, Chris, stay at that spiritualist college there and come out a Where is this bona fide medium. Essex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is exactly where I'd expect it to be based in Essex. Um, well, maybe. Let me see. <laughs> How much time I have on my hands. Um, <laughs> I might have to do an online one, potentially. Yeah. So, Chris... Um, Ooh, there's a bar. And a shop. Sorry. <laughs> so, Chris... Yes. Reading and researching this topic simply wasn't enough for me. I wanted to experience a night, or three, of mediumship. So I found the nearest spiritualist church that I could attend... Once a week, or for an entire month. Okay. <laughs> Which is exactly what I did. So that was interesting. And I don't know how to feel about that. Um, I didn't expect to say the Lord's Prayer. I went in there and they were really welcoming. This lady introduced herself. She was a medium and she was there to display her powers. And it was kind of odd because I was thinking like, if I had passed through the veil and I was on the other side and I was present in the room and I wanted to relay a message to a family member, I would say something important. I would be like, I don't know, but with... With these, like, spirits that were supposedly coming through, this medium would say something like, I'm seeing, like, pain in this area of the body. And then she would, like, move her hand from basically the chin 
to the stomach, which is a large area. And, you know, she'd say things like, oh, towards the end they were struggling to breathe, towards the end they'd lost weight, towards the end they couldn't really eat, towards the end this and that. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of what happens when you die. Things shut down, your body shuts down, you stop eating, you lose weight, you... Depending on how you die, of course, but if you die of, you know, you get to an old age, you generally die of something in that area. All your vital organs are in the, the abdomen and the chest. So, yeah, I mean, it's bound to be one of them. But, uh, yeah, so there was that. And she, the thing is, like, it was quite general. It was like, oh, there's a man or a woman, and they, I can't tell the age, they're old. But I don't know exactly how old. It's hard to judge how old, you know, like throwing out names like, you know, sort of Christian names like James. Like, not, it wouldn't be like James or something. It would be like Jim, you know, like I almost put my hand up at Jim. It's close to a nickname that my granddad had. But I didn't. But my, I could have. And I wonder if I did, if she would have just rolled with me instead of the woman that she eventually went to. But she did do a couple of kind of weird guesses. Like she said to one girl, like that jumper that you're wearing tonight, you weren't going to wear it, were you? you? You were going to wear a blue one. And she said, yeah. And I was like, what? Like, that's very specific. And there was a guy in front of me, like shaking his head in like disbelief, like, wow. And there, there was, um, there was one that I thought was really specific. Like she said, oh, this older gentleman and he used to do a trick with money didn't he? he used to put like do tricks with coins and I was thinking wow that's really specific but also like it's kind of an old people thing like I think my granddad both of them <laughs> used to do some trick like that so it's kind of like the jump the color of the jumper thing was that that was like ooh, interesting but then yeah all the other stuff I I don't know we had experience I'm back to my place now so I'm gonna shut up for a bit <laughs> In what you're describing there, apart from the the, the more specific stuff, is, is a bit more interesting, but I always think of it as like psychic battleships. Mm, exactly. Like, you know, when you play that game and you're like, D7. Yeah. Safe. Like, you're like, is there, I, I'm hearing a man's voice and uh, <laughs> his, his, his name began with the, the letter J or it may have been a G. An I? I? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, I, I'm getting a um, uh, and 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 uh, one name's beginning with I. Ingrid. I'm getting a. That's not a man's name. Oh, you've chosen the worst letter. Ian. Oh, is it is it is it, is it an Ian? Is it an Ian? Uh, you oh your your window cleaner was called Ian. <laughs> like, I don't I don't want to pour water on it like that, but. That's the kind of, you know, you see psychics on shows that do exactly that sort of thing, where it's just, you've got a large audience of people, they're all there because they want to see spiritualism of some sort, whether it's religious or just psychic powers. And you used to see like Derek Akora doing it all the time, you know, and he would sort of narrow it down to something, narrow it down, narrow it down to something very broad. Yeah. Like, you know. Especially people who want to believe will take the ball and roll with it. All you've got to do is put the ball in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris, the demographic of the people there, mm -hmm. can you guess? 
And you said there was a guy there, and you also said there was a woman there. Was it a sort of roughly 50-50 split? Or was it, uh, if I was going to guess it was more weighted one way, I'd probably say there would be more females. Yeah, there was more older white women with Mm. a spattering of men. And some younger women, actually. I went there to scope it out. It was my first time. I did actually email one of the members when I was in Sweden because I was planning to do this and I wanted a bit more info. So they kind of knew I was, you know, maybe I was going to show up. Maybe I wasn't. So I just went up to scope it out. I was looking around, see who goes there, what goes down. So I went back a second time. Okay. And this this one had a different vibe, you know. We uh, Was it a different person hosting? It was a different medium. Right. So she was a lot more friendly, a lot more cheerful. They do these little, like, speeches before the mediumship where they just basically say, you know. Essentially, she said, oh, you should smile at people. Be like- nice to people. There was nothing, you know scary no. no like you're gonna go to hell if you don't do this they mm. would just they're just kind of like it's a bit like a sermon like sort of or at least i, I know sermons in the protestant church mm-hmm. where you know it's it's sort of be nice to people around you um you know do your best to do this don't covet thy neighbor's ass things like that <clears throat> yeah yes exactly Chris. yes exactly so um, the first medium that I saw, she was mostly describing people's illnesses and ailments before they passed. So she'd go like, I've got John through here. He's got, oh, he's got a terribly bad leg. He's limping. Now, if I came to give family member a message, I wouldn't be going, oh, my kidneys were screwed. You know, like yeah. I'd be going, oh, the afterlife, it's insane. You should you should see it. Don't worry. It's not scary. Well, that's what I'd hope that you wouldn't die and still be afflicted by whatever ailment you'd had. You'd Or be going on and on about it after yeah. you you know you've passed over you're going oh my leg was terribly painful and when i was alive why are you coming back to, yeah, to jo- complain john are you still moaning about this yeah you're fine now john just give us some i don't intel. think i'm coming back here if all you're <laughs> going to talk about your bloody leg john <laughs> so the second medium that i saw she would actually act as if she was talking to the ghost she'd go sorry oh yeah yeah oh yeah okay yeah so she she was reporting that she was directly speaking to the departed she well they all do but she was she was actually interacting with them she would turn to the side and chat you know because i know a lot of um a lot of mediums pop mediums i'm going to refer back to Derek akora here who i probably should have defined who he is a lot earlier in this episode (laughs) but if you don't know he was a very popular medium who was on a lot of television shows like most haunted a group of people would go off to a castle somewhere stay the night record the activities and then Derek Cora would walk around and go, oh yes, uh, uh, this happened here and oh, I can speak to this guy. But my question is that he had what he called a spirit guide. Yes. So he would never speak directly to the ghosts. He would get it through his spirit guide, Sam. So they didn't have a Sam. They just spoke directly to the departed. The last lady that I saw spoke directly to them but a lot of mediums do have spirit guides like it is a thing Mm. in spiritualism and modern spiritualism too i got an interaction this lady chose people in the audience to interact with the first one would say put your hand up if this pertains to you this lady she would seek you out in the crowd and talk directly to you so you have in front of you a script of how that conversation went can i come to the lovely lady with that lovely white hair and the lovely big eyes 
Yeah. Can I come and speak to you, sweetheart? Yes. I don't know who I have at the moment, but I'm being drawn to your energy. Do you understand? Yes. As I've been drawn to your energy, I'm I'm feeling sadness around you. I'm almost feeling heartbroken. Do, do, do you understand that? Yes. Okay. I've got a gentleman stepping forward here. I feel as though this gentleman and yourself have been very close. He feels... Grandfatherly. I'm getting images of yourself and him walking to the park and things like that. Do, do you understand that information? Yes. Yes. Because it's bringing memories of my childhood with my grandfather. And I know that. That's relevant to yourself. Okay? I want to say that your grandfather has been around and about you lately. And he's just putting his hand on your shoulder. I don't know if you felt a pressure on your shoulder right now. Yes. That's just your grandfather standing behind you. And he's putting his hand on your shoulder. And he's wanting to you know but he's here for you, pet. Okay? I'm not going to open it up because it's very personal to yourself, okay? But I can just say to you, as one door shuts, another door opens. Would you understand it that way? Yes. He says, know your worth. Yes? Yes. And he's saying, away, pet. Put that little smile on your face. Okay? Because you used to laugh and giggle together. Yes. Yes. He was always telling you jokes and doing that trick, that sort of thing, going, Eh, can you do this? Things like that. He's just bringing that laughter through for yourself there, all right? Have you been thinking of putting pink streaks in your hair? No. Because I'm looking at your hair and I can see pink streaks in it. All right, uh, I, I, I don't know what that is. Uh, oh, right, okay. He's surrounding you with the pink. It's your hair. It looks pink to me, and that means love and affection, and coming through very strong, and it's coming through around you, and you talk to your granddad. Yes. And he's saying, I'm here. I've heard what you've said. He's calmed you down, should I say, in situations where you could have blown your stack. Yeah, he was a calming influence on your life when he was on Earth. He was like your rock, and you smelled what he was cooking. <laughs> he was like your rock and he says that he's still your rock now and he's showing me a bottle of wine and he's going like this glug 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 and there's someone around you and about you that's drinking too much shall I say I don't know someone within your circle uh, I've got a bottle of wine and it's saying hey party your hands are freezing cold because my hands are usually quite warm and they're absolutely frozen now. We're not going to have a horrible winter, are we? He says put some gloves on in winter, all right? Um, there's someone in your family who used to have a white finger. Do you know what that is? No. It's like when they've been using machinery, you know, like a pneumatic drill or something like that. And their finger goes white. Can you remember anyone who had a white finger? No. Right hand, index thing. The, the, the lady behind you. 
And at that point, the woman behind me said, I can take that. <laughs> so, Chris, mm. that was my very first interaction with a medium. I see. Well, it seems like um, from your answers, you're saying that a lot of this wasn't true. It that, was not true. No. I felt very happy that day. My grandpa was not my rock. He did not calm me down when I was about to blow my stack. Have you ever seen me get violently angry? Um, no, I haven't. It's <laughs> yeah. not It's not a trait that I would associate with you, exactly. really. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes when you are surprised, so think about like, you know, like a confrontation. Yeah. If, if like your parent to you or something at work or, or somewhere where someone's just like this 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 and this and you just like you're kind of like a rabbit in the headlights and you just agree to it because you you just you're not processing the information at the time and especially when there's an audience of people around you you kind of you feel the need to like, exactly not go like not go against the grain do you know what i felt a pressure to perform like i felt like i was part of of the show mm. And it's really weird psychologically because I did not, for some reason, I didn't want to disappoint the people by just going, no, no. I mean, I did start saying no. At the beginning, I was like, yes, yes, because I was like so stoked that I was having an interaction. And I was like, this is great for the podcast. And she had like picked me out. You know, I hadn't claimed something. And at that point, I just started saying yes, because I was like, even when it wasn't completely true, because I just wanted to skip to the next part, I'd go, yeah, yeah. Part of me as well, like in the nicest way possible, you do stand out from a crowd because you do have so blonde, it's almost white hair. Yeah. And, you know, if you're in an audience and it's mainly people with, you know, black hair or sort of gray hair, your hair would stand out. Yeah. And as, and as well, if you're a new member of the audience, I'm going to guess it's the same sort of people going every week. Actually, some of the mediums had like only been there once or twice oh, okay. or something. Apparently, there's so many of mm-hmm. them that they can actually rotate them at that kind of rate. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, regardless, I, I, I do think that if you were standing on a, out on a pulpit, you would probably stand out as well. I'm going to guess you're in black. That's another thing I was going to say. Like yep. she said, oh, I'm getting an aura of, aura of sadness and heartbreak. And it's like, I know I have like, you know, dark eye makeup. I know I do look kind of sad when I'm just resting, you know? Like resting when sad face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I wear black and I think it's like a misconception that, okay, I'm clinically depressed. But I mean, like generally, I'm like an upbeat person. I'm, yeah, yeah, I you, like cute you just, stuff. You, I'm not completely heartbroken and sad no you just dress like <laughs> not even a total goth i <laughs> no, just you wear black no. yeah no and i like it no and i always enough. have and and i i suppose you could assume that i'm a sad person because you associate it with like gothic people and i mean the, all of the statements that you said though are very general i mean i think exactly. anybody like just with the the everyday pressures of life and everything else yeah. you could probably make a general statement like oh i see sur- sadness is surrounding you and you could think how does that apply to me? And you could think, well, I've got a death in the family or I'm not happy in this situation or, uh, you know, I wanted to get that promotion at work, but damn that Smithers he got in front of me or whatever. <laughs> you know, you can always, when you make a general statement. Yeah. I mean. But that does not hit for me. Sad, no. heartbroken, you know, and the white finger thing. She was like, now that, oh, someone in your family has white finger. Do you know what that is? And I was like, I really want, to, it's so mean, but I really wanted to first start laughing. That's where it gets more interesting because that's something really specific. Mm-hmm. So everything else is really general. But to be that specific, and that's not something that led on from what she was saying. Mm-hmm. It's just something that she just 
pulled out of nowhere. And she did pull a few things out of nowhere that people agreed to. But after I got my reading, mm. I thought, are they agreeing like I am because they feel pressured? Because there was one woman and she said, oh, there's a, a small white West Highland Terrier running up and down the aisle and is jumping up on you. And that one woman said, no, I, I don't know that. And then later she went to a woman who was sitting across from her, but on the other side of the hall, mm. which is a, a two foot gap, you know. Mm. And she said, oh, that dog's sitting on your lap now. And she went, yeah, I know this dog. Mm. And I was like, OK. And another one, she said, OK, this was really specific. And I was like, what? You cannot just be agreeing to this. So she said to them, oh, um, I can see two men here, Edward and George, and they used to breed parakeets. And she went, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> like, if that is true and you've not posted that on social media and you don't know each other and you're not just saying yes, that's insane. Mm. It's too specific. But I was thinking, I started saying yes to any shit. True. I mean, there's... I drew the line at pink hair and wine and all that stuff because yeah. I'm like, no, that's just. But Chris, mm -hmm. remember earlier when I told you to. I remember the wine bottle, yeah. And the, the, the sitting on the mantelpiece, there is a wine bottle, although it's also a very small one held by a taxidermied white mouse. <laughs> and that came a day after the uh, mediumship <laughs> session. So I was like, oh, there is someone drinking too much. This taxidermy mouse who is inanimate. But, you know, like yeah. if, if you were a believer and you wanted to attribute meaning to these meaningless things. Well, that's where you get that, you, you know, could. give me a sign. Exactly. You know, and a sign could be anything if you're not specific about it. I think I think I come into this sort of thing with a hefty amount of skepticism. It's not that I don't want to believe in it, but for some reason, there's something in my personality where I would probably, if there was two stories in front of me, one of a spiritualist who'd spoken to the dead and the other of like an alien abduction, I'd probably be like, no, nah, the alien abduction, that's the one I'm putting my money what on. What a surprise. Yeah. So... <laughs> But that's the, I guess, different ways of approaching things. And I mean, it would be, it'd be interesting to try that, to try it and just bullshit at somebody and just be like, oh, I'm getting a, a message from beyond and to see what you could do. But if you start off with very general statements, you get down there. My only thinking logically about this pneumatic drill white finger, she's talking about a grandfatherly figure. So somebody of a certain age and based on the town that it was in, sort of a working class town, lots of people having manual jobs. It wouldn't be out of the question that somebody could have used equipment in the past. But that's, exactly. that's, that's, that's a very specific, weird thing. I've, I've never heard of white finger, but then again, I don't work with power tools. No, but one thing I noticed was the medium before and the second medium, they both mentioned a grandfatherly figure doing coin tricks. Like, of course they were doing that kind of shit. There was nothing else to do in the 90s yeah. to entertain a kid. <laughs> they, they both used that, though. And I was like, is there like a go-to? Is there like a little script you work from? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, is that, this something you're taught early on? I suppose they might make the argument that, no, the same people were there and it's the same spirit turning up again. Um, but, I mean, it sounds very specific, but like you're right, it is quite general. I mean, if I was like, I'm getting a grandfatherly figure and he's reaching into his pocket and he's... He's getting a word is original. Does <laughs> yeah. that mean anything to anybody? Yeah, you could say he loved hard sweets, didn't he? Yeah. Chris. Yes. Before we wrap this episode up, I have another little gift for you. Okay. Hold your horses. 
Okay. So now knowing what you know, mm -hmm. you know, having completed this episode, uh, I'd like to offer you this. This is an invitation um, to a uh, Spiritualist National Union's uh, event. Uh, the father. Oh, no, not an event, Chris. Not an event. Would you like to join a new religion? Um, hold on, let me just read these uh, T's and C's. I declare that I'm not presently serving a prison sentence. I'm not a registered sex offender. Is it, did, did a church associate member is blank pounds. How, how much does it cost to become? I don't know. I, I assumed they meant donation by, by leaving it blank. Oh. Um, you know what? No. <laughs> I don't. Why not? Um, I think, I think I, I've probably declared quite publicly my skepticism on mediums. And I don't think they'd have me. Well, I am going tomorrow for a night of mediumship with a male medium. Oh. So Patreon exclusive little phone call chatty episode coming up, Chris. Okay. Um, well, I'm excited to see how this goes. Yeah. See if it's different. Maybe a, a male medium will tap into something different. Mm -hmm. um, but I will definitely call you to tell you about it. And we will definitely hit record and okay. hopefully upload that on Patreon sometime soon. Awesome. Well, let's do it. Um, I th that shouldn't be there. A fortune telling <laughs> pack of magic fish. That shouldn't be in there. Are you sure they didn't give you this as well? Um <laughs> And then, Chris, now that you've stumbled upon the fortune-telling magic fish, would you like to do one before we close yeah, well, out the episode? So what are magic fish? What? For the people listening at home. They're little red plastic fishies that curl up at the head or the tail. So if you could read the back of the pack here, Chris. Okay. So fortune-teller fish. Place fish in the palm of the hand and its movement will indicate... A moving head means jealousy. Moving tail means indifference. Moving both means in love. Curling sides means fickle. Turns over means false. Motionless means dead one. And curls up entirely means passionate. And these were made in Taiwan. Let's give it a go. Is there just one in there? It's just one fish. Oh, I got one too. So let's see if we're uh, jealous, indifferent, in love, fickle or false. Um, so you put the little fish here. Place the fish in the palm of the hands. The movements will indicate your fortune. Keep fish in envelope when not in use. Oh. What have I got? Moving head, moving tail. I think I've got moving head and moving tail. But I've also got curling sides. Yeah, I've got moving head and curling sides. So, jealousy and fickle. Wow. I've got in love and fickle. Mm -hmm. Oh God, mine's really going for it. Well, there you go, Chris. There's a souvenir from the episode. You can take that to your wife and... Uh... Oh, you've got curling sides, I would say. No, I've just got curling sides. So what are you? You're fickle. fickle. You're fickle. You're fickle, Chris. But yeah, there's a gift for you. Chris is really staring at this. Have you never seen one before? No, I've never seen one of these before. Ooh, well... I guess it's welcome. working off the heat of the palm. Yeah. Well, thank you. I shall place the, uh, the magic, nice and retro <laughs> the magic fish alongside my um, erotic fish. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much, Chris, for joining me in person. Yes, for this, this long-awaited uh, episode, this different sort of episode today, where we've been talking about an actual 
real life encounter that you've had. Yeah, well, I had to know. I had to know and I had to experience it. And I'm glad I did because psychologically, you will say yes to freaking anything if you feel like you are part of the show. That's <laughs> what I've learned. I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, for anybody who would like to see the images that will go along with this episode, you can, of course, go to our Instagram page. Uh, which you can go to by searching Instagram for at d.s.radio. You'll find it right there. If you're not following us already, why not give us a follow? And if you want to hear some of that exclusive Patreon content that's going to be coming your way very soon, we do promise, head over to patreon.com forward slash dystopian simulation radio. The exclusive content is available on the higher tier. Thanks, everybody. And we will see you next time in the dystopian simulation. Bye. Bye.